Hello, and welcome to the Procurement Game Changers podcast, brought to you by Consulting Quest. Ever wondered how the leaders get it done? What differentiates them from the rest of us? Let's tune in and learn from the best leaders in the procurement space. Let's do it. And now, over to your host, Helen Lafitte. I'm beyond excited to have Monica Rose, aka Shameless Mind Boss, on my podcast today. She helps stressed out procurement women prevent burnout and double their impact. With her three step method, you can reduce work stress, grow your earning power, and achieve success without sacrificing ambition. So, buckle up for an insightful conversation with Monica. Welcome to the show, Monica. Hi, Helen. So what led you to procurement? So what led me into procurement myself, working in the field, um, like a lot of other people, I fell into it, or it chose me, as it were. Um, so I went into, I previously was a QS in the construction field. When I moved into the railway, as I was moving myself through the company, I kind of just morphed into procurement, um, found it was good ground for me. I, I'm I love stakeholder engagement. Um, I love strategy building. I love problem solving. And on the railway, you had to be quick. It was constant. It was mostly reactive, working in the depots and maintenance. So um, that was my journey into procurement. Not a bad one. <laughs> and then what happened? And then and then what happened? And then I burned out. <laughs> I figured that out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I burned out. So it wasn't necessarily all about procurement I had other things going on in life at that at that particular time but um procurement I find is that field where I say it's like a playground for the people pleaser in that business support role you've got people coming to you with their own demands I need this I need that I need that and where it's such a misunderstood profession as well by the outside you find yourself constantly maneuvering yourself and your contracts and what you have to fit other people. So that was something that was ongoing and it was constant. But then outside of that, I was also doing the same in my personal life. And um, so I had two burnout episodes in the space of six months. Um, didn't learn from the first one. I was off for two weeks. I came back, I thought, I'm fine. I could do this, it's not a problem. <laughs> Um, very quickly ended up in, in a second episode there were a lot of changes happening at work I had a large team who were struggling with the changes and struggling to keep up with with the demands of the job as well and so yeah I burnt out again this time the doctor said you're not going back for a while and when you do we're phasing you back in so in that time I was placed onto talking therapy and CBT um, and that was it for me. CBT was uh, a game changer, a total game changer. Uh, it just opened me up to myself, how I think, how I behave, all in the effort to make things look like they were fine. You know, like as women do, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Everything's okay. Never, never find the time to come back to ourselves. So um, CBT was start the start of my journey into coaching really and um, when I stepped back into work I realized all the ways that it wasn't actually beneficial for me but I saw all the ways that I could help other people and so that was my decision to leave the organization and start to figure out how I could do that always with the view to come back to help people 
So yeah, that's that's my journey. Yes. So, <laughs> yes, thank you, Monica. So as you can imagine, Monica will answer the burning questions about women in procurement and burnout. So I will give you like throw a few numbers to kind of get a sense of what we're talking about. So women are mm -hmm. still unable to switch off from work, you know, with many mm -hmm. concerned with impact on career progression. We've all been there, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. only 45% of women rated the ability to switch off from work as good and extremely good. And mm -hmm. 34 rated it as poor and extremely poor. Mm -hmm. So what are the common stressors faced by women in procurement? How do they differ from men in the field? Can this immense burnout among women in procurement be prevented? So mm -hmm. let's buckle up for a captivating conversation and let's get started <laughs> with our first question. So we have touched upon that, why you decided to go into coaching women, but could you give us, you know, really what inspired you beyond, you know, your personal experience to go into coaching women in procurement on burnout? Yeah, um, conditioning. So I have a big thing about the patriarchy. <laughs> so it really is. No, yeah. I'm all ears. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it all starts with our conditioning. So earlier when I said procurement is the playground for a people pleaser or even a perfectionist, you just want to do right. You don't want to upset people. And there's always this fear that, I mean, talking personally, there's this fear, and the women I also know, that that some that something's going to go wrong something's going to drop and so it's that constant have I done enough was it enough um do they think that I'm good enough at my job if 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 I do you know if I had to say no to something I'm like oh my god are they talking about me behind my back are they um going to see other people will this affect my um, performance review there's all that stuff that comes up for women all because of the con our conditioning to be the giver It's always about the giving and supporting and making sure everybody else is fine before we are. So we're constantly um, laying our career progression at the door of everyone else. So they all, they're, they're the ones that give us permission. They're the ones that will facilitate the way, as it were, as long as we're doing a good enough job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that 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 was really why I was uh, I, I want to support women in my coaching. I mean, a lot of people I have coached men. I do coach men. They have their own issues with regards to how they were conditioned in the patriarchal society. So it's not really that you know men are winning all the time. It's just the way that the system set up. But the women really are down here because the system is set up for men, and this is where I was like. I want to change this. I want women to know that actually our power to manage stress, um, avoid burnout, whilst at the same time um, succeeding in our careers comes from within. It doesn't belong to anyone else. And once we're able to do that, it's, it's amazing what happens around you. So what you thought was actually the truth was actually a narrative that you, you kept recreating yourself because no one's told you any different. And so that's really the, the coaching I do with women in procurement. No, no, I, and, and I think that uh, all women can relate to to that. I think that mm. all, we have all had that that uh, thing that that's a joke that we made. We make often is that who's the only person in the house who knows where are everyone's keys, t-shirt, bag, and all of this. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. In, That's us. And why? Not because we're better than everyone else at spotting things. I mean, I don't think that's gender related. 
It's just because the other ones don't care because they just take care of themselves. And yeah. I'm not saying that, I, I think to your point that we don't need to stop caring about other people. But I think that we need to keep a space in our life for ourselves. Mm. And it is super hard. <laughs> it's really mm. hard. It is. Yeah, it is. Because I mean, the, the reason we do anything is because of how we will feel. And so if we are the, if we've been brought up to, to believe that we have an effect on other people's emotions, it's like, oh, you made that person upset or, or be a nice girl and do this for me. Then when, we, when we're being fed those, those little messages, when we're then in that position, sorry, situation where it's, you know, if we go back to procurement, for instance, can I, I need this by tomorrow. And this thing is leakage from a contract <laughs> and, and everything in your system is like, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. but then the other side is like, but well, we have to say yes, we have to say yes, we have to say yes. Yeah. And then that's that real disconnect there. And that's where the burnout starts to happen because we're creating that stress within us. Because we're like, if I say no, I will feel bad and I will be a bad person. Truth is, if you said no and felt like a bad person, that will probably last a few hours, you'll get over it, as will they. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but we're not brought up to do that whereas guys you know men boys they're they're brought up to to get into a rough and tumble I, I mean I live above a playground I see them playing and I see how they play and I was like if girls played more like that what would we be like in the workplace you know so yeah <laughs> no it, it's interesting you're saying that so uh, we're we are more used to please other people while um, boys are more used to kind of do make their way and that's it. But I think it also reflects in the way we work. I mean, women tend to always try to be perfect, try to, you know, check all the boxes. We, we mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard about the statistics about how women tend to look at a job offer and make Definitely, sure yeah. that they answer all the little lines when men will say, oh, yeah. 50%, I'm good enough, that's it. And I think that confidence that is obviously a construct and not something that is like innate to women or men or whatever we call ourselves. I mm. think this is really how we were we were brought up. And 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 then that's what you were saying, the narrative that we've been told, and this is how your life will be. And how can we <laughs> I mean, we call, we call, we say in French that the deconstructed male, I don't know if that apply in English, but uh, that's how can we, for both men and women, deconstruct those narratives, deconstruct those things and make sure that we have a fair chance, whoever mm. we are and whatever we want to be, actually. Mm. That's a really good question. So um, I guess, where does it start? It starts with, Let's bring it back to basics for skills. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have women and we're talking about the messages that, that we're fed and how we, we need to be perfect at everything. So if you think about on a daily basis, you know, we're being told that you need to look a certain way, dress a certain way, use this certain product um, on your hair <laughs> or whatever it will wow. be. And then, you know, the other side is like, but don't be too much of this. Don't be too aggressive. Don't be don't speak up, don't take up space, play it small, make sure everybody is uh, is happy. So it's, it's, it's that that we are, that as women are being fed. And so we're often looking for permission yes. to, to do stuff. And what needs to be done to deconstruct that, I think is, it starts with leadership, I think. So wh wherever you are, the leadership creating an open 
environment where everybody has an opportunity to speak up. So it could even just be the way in that you might be in a meeting room, how you might brainstorm and innovate around ideas. How do you create comfort for everybody to speak up rather than leave it open to the ones who've been conditioned and brought up to take up that space where women haven't? Maybe the leadership might reconstruct your meetings, your agenda. How does the agenda work so that everybody has an opportunity to speak up? So it's not so, I mean, coaching is amazing. That's why I do it. So actually the one-on-one coaching with someone to actually talk to them about their vulnerabilities, their fears, and to give them the power to speak up. But also within the organizations, how do we create that space? I mean, having um, the women groups and everything else to, to help create opportunities is amazing. But it's really about um, A, the internal work and B, giving them the environment where they can actually practice applying that internal work, that internal work as well. As for the guys, I mean, men, boys will be boys. <laughs> Sorry to say that. I mean, to be fair. I have met and I do know a few guys who are actually waking up and talking to women about the stuff that they experience. I mean, there's one particular gentleman who who works for a construction company. Um, we were talking one day and it just gave me joy when he looked, he actually looked at me and he goes, I honestly don't haven't appreciated what a woman goes through before she gets into the office. So what she's had to do in the morning if she's got children, what she's had to do the children. The people she's had to navigate on her commute to work, mm-hmm. right? all, all of that stuff. And he's like, but then she comes into work and, and we expect her to boom, get into it and start performing as it were. So it's really that kind of awareness and having enough time to pause to be like, okay, what, what does she need right now? Yeah. That we're not getting. No, but I think that that's very interesting. And to your point, you know, I was discussing with my 21 year old. Uh, he's a he's a man, obviously. Uh, I'd say a boy, but I guess at that 21, you're starting to 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 go mm. to a man. And, and, <laughs> you know, um, but but he was telling me that he also feels a lot of pressure on what is expected of me as a man, as opposed to uh, women. And he was saying that he feel like he feels like. Um, there's only there's much more than two roles. It feels like being a man can be so many different things, and um, and that's the same thing for women. And uh, why can't we explore the road uh, uh, that we want at some point and then change afterwards? And I think that you were mentioning that you're also coaching men. I think that there's a whole thing around the pressure that it put on men and women because of what we expect from them based on gender, which does, I think, does not make much sense. But I think that women have even more pressure because, as you were saying, they're the care in, at home, at work, everywhere. Mm. And it's a lot to take on. And so we discussed about, you know, uh, the stressors. We discussed about how to involve the leadership team. But I think that we start to talk a lot about stress and burnout in the company in general and in procurement in particular. <laughs> what, are there alarming trends? Is there really? Is it only something that we feel like because it's a buzzy word, or is it really uh, an alarming trend? It's a, it's really a trend, um, and it's of, of course it's come out of self. Of course it has, but um, you know, COVID and lockdown really kind of brought it to life and 
you know, a lot of this stuff was happening for people in isolation. Mm-hmm. So they say, like, I, I've heard this term before and I thought it was quite beautiful. It's like community is healing. And so having those people around you who you can talk to, who you can um, even just kind of vibe off the energy from, and you're getting this kind of unspoken um, assurance that everything's okay. But when a lot of us are now working in isolation and there's a very there's a very blurred line between where work is and where home is, where do you get your time to download, to offload, to shake off the stresses, to kind of reset, regroup and, and, and go back into that stuff? It, again, especially for women, because even during lockdown, they were still doing two thirds of the childcare as well as having to do the work, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, it's just those familiar roles that we fall into. And so until someone can actually demonstrate to them that there's other ways for this to be, especially for women, you know, nothing's going to fall apart if you decide not to do the laundry today. (laughs) Until until those those, those small things, just those little things, you know, what would happen if I didn't do that? And it's like after so many days, is that are people going to say things? And then what am I going to say back? It's like, well, you, you're you're perfectly able to do that. It's those little things that we haven't been given permission to do. It's habits that we fall into. Um, and again, um, I use the term hustle for safety. So we we burn out when we're hustling for safety. We are trying to out, outrun our uncomfortable emotions. And so once we feel that we're already in a stressful situation and you know things might be a little bit out of our control. Again, working in procurement with a hybrid setup at work, you're going in, you might not be, you might see your team, you might not see your team. Um, you're missing out on conversations that you might have been having in the tea room. So all of a sudden you're you've you for women have said that it's almost like they're they feel like they're picking up less less information, um, less knowledge, like they're feeling quite isolated um, and not knowing what's happening out beyond the screen, okay? So when that's happening, you your focus will then start looking for other areas of danger like that. So you're looking like, okay, is everything okay over there? Is everything okay over there? Is that, am I really losing control? Is this danger real? That builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up. So if we don't know it's happening quite quickly, it could come chronic stress. And then from chronic stress, it will, can become burnout. So it's, um, again, I've spoken about this before with um, someone else. It's how is the leadership created an environment, yeah. even the hybrid working environment, to ensure that people's mental well-being is being catered for, but not just as a talking therapy thing, when it's too late I say it's too late once symptoms are coming it's too late but actually like okay so we know this is happening we know the reasons that it might be happening so how do we then foster an environment where we still have that belonging where we still have um enable people to share information to gather information to have that small talk you know have people got buddies for instance have people got their their little tribes it's 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 all of that no that that's a very good point I was I was thinking about you know how do you, as a, a manager and then as as an organization, um, put in place a system where you can capture those weak signals, understand who might be less well, let's put it that way, and might need mm. a bit more support. And then kind of the first part, we often say, oh, we have a hotline that you can call. Okay, cool. But the problem is that you might not yourself realize that you are burning out. 
yet. Uh, because this is you and this is your environment. Maybe people around you might see signs. And if they're taught, if they're um, trying to recognize signs, and I think that managers, that should be part of you know becoming a manager is to care about the wellness of the people in your team <laughs> and and you mm -hmm. might see those and you know it's 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 obvious when you have colleagues that been through a burnout then you think back and the signs were there mm. months before mm. and if you're mm. trying to recognize that you say hey you know what that person who was so great on deadlines and so good at everything suddenly started mm. to miss out things to be disorganized to do this that's that means that there's a problem. That's not oh she mm. has a, she has a period. Uh, I'm mm. not saying that's, that's her period. That's her, so she, she has, has a period. period. <laughs> yeah, she was the hormonal. <laughs> I was not doing that, but okay. But you see what I mean. I but think that's that part of it. But that is also very much part of it, though, as well. You know, I mean, if we're going to go there, I, there were there were times where I, I always remember we'd have our um, what was it called approvals meeting every four weeks. Happened to land on the first day of my period. Worst day ever. <laughs> you know, and I was not performing. But it's little things like that because I'd be very aware of it in the morning. I'd be really stressed. Really and you feel stressed, guilty for something yes. that you have absolutely no control on. Yes, yes. That it's it's all of that stuff. All of that stuff. Um, and it can sometimes feel really big when we start talking about, you know, the, the nuances about it. Because <laughs> it yeah. feel really big, but it's just small steps because once people start feeling confident about addressing those small steps, it actually snowballs. Absolutely. It gains its own momentum. So it's it's really just starting with those. And you those know, small there is steps. a one thing, just to give you a very, very small example. I remember going into a company's bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and here on the you know for free you could find every period material that was available mm -hmm. for women and i think that men have no idea how stressful it is <laughs> to be in a situation where we have to deal with whatever we have in our bag and what we can find in the bathroom uh it might think but we all know about that and i think that um they they are the big things that we say and our, our values and we do things. And then there's all those little actions where leadership shows that they care and they, that, care, right? and they want things to be better and easier for everyone. And, yeah. and I'm not even talking about giving, you know, in France now that they're, they're discussing to give a two day or three day period for women who have painful periods like they did in mm, Spain. So mm. I'm not even talking about that. I'm really talking mm. about thinking about giving a place to pump your milk when you're breastfeeding. I did that. Yeah. I did that between books and archive in a room that I had only the key. Oh, goodness. Um, you know, there was this like for 18 months. There was, I did it. My colleagues were wonderful, but that was an arrangement between us. That was not something mm. that management organized. I had to discuss with them, but they were awesome. Um, then all of these, all the all little things that seem like, oh, it's super work, <laughs> but actually that's what makes life easier. And I think that to your point, I think there's so much stress already in the world. We work from home partially, then we go to the office. We don't know where is work, where is not work. We feel guilty when in the middle of a work day, we have to take care of our kids. Well, it is normal. I mean, <laughs> We can't say 
say, no, I'm not going to take care of them. My work. No, nobody would say that. And if we were, yeah. there, their fathers would do exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah. So this yeah. is not us. This is being a parent. So all of this is making a lot of stress. And I think when leadership shows those little signs, trying really to build, as you were saying, a safe environment for both men and women. And women, yeah. But with specific attentions to them. To the detail. Yeah, to the, to, absolutely to the detail. And it does, it creates that sense of belonging. And then when you belong, then you're able to be a little bit more vulnerable. And it's being vulnerable that really is one of the biggest things in managing stress. Yes. Again, as women, it's trying, that thing when you're trying to hold it together and be strong. I remember saying to my line manager the first time I burnt out, I said, I, was like, I don't know who I am anymore. You know, because I always thought I was that woman who can, I was thought I was a superwoman. And I was like, and that happened to me. And I was like, I don't know what happens from here. <laughs> and what I tried to do was try to re, to become th that same person I was before. And it, again, after CBT, it really was like, actually, vulnerability is beautiful. <laughs> you know, you know what, a, what I think is important too, is that you change. And mm, that's fine. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's good. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah, right? So let's, let's now get on to uh, some practical. Let's imagine that we have women and men probably that are listening to us that may feel stressed and feel like, as you're saying, I'm not sure I recognize myself anymore. What are those signs that should make you you know, raise your hand and say, I need help. Hmm. Okay, so I often go to, you often recognize your behaviors beforehand, okay? And also, is it, let's start with the behaviors. So you recognize your behaviors so, beforehand. So are you, do you find yourself trying to becoming a bit more controlling than you normally are? Not that controlled, there's nothing wrong with a controller. They're actually quite useful people. <laughs> But sometimes you might overdo it. You might be overdoing it, and then people might be getting upset. You know, you might, you, you might, but then you translate that as them being um, difficult. Yeah, so it, it, you're it, talking it, about it, a change. You're talking about a change in you were controlling your, in, in your yeah, yeah. You you're overdoing it. So you might yes. be over perfecting. You might be over pleasing. You might find yourself over controlling. You might even be a little bit. You might find yourself. This is more the anxiety side of things, but hyper aware of things that might be going wrong so when you might so you might notice it or someone else might have said that to you so that's one of the signs when you notice that I always suggest to to my clients to just to take a little pause and to note what's going on in their body hmm. so I, when that am I feeling tense right now am I clenching my fist you know one of my favorites is the leg tap you know, it's my leg tapping because it's not something people do all the time. But in a hyper stress, you can see that happening. Yes. So, what is my body doing differently? How am I feeling? How am I feeling in the morning? Um, so, that's one of the things um, to become aware of. And, you know, my the, the, one of the top things I do with my clients is is meditation, exercise, and gratitude. Now, those have been overused. They are overused. You hear it out there all the time. Mm -hmm. but and meditation is not for everyone but then if we were to just practice some mindfulness in in, in place of sitting down for 15 minutes doing a meditation 
So in that moment where you feel like I have to get this done, I have to get it done perfectly, and you find yourself stressing over the last sentence in an email, <laughs> it might just be to just to be like, okay, I'm stressing over this last sentence in the email and just really just pause, for instance, and just really take note of the keyboard. You know, yeah. it, it's really just being in that space, take note of the keyboard. It could be, okay, I need to go out for a walk. But when you're out for a walk, just say to yourself, I'm really going to be mindful of my steps as I'm walking. So it's really just bringing yourself back to the present because when we are stressed, we are either stressing about something that's happened in the past or we're stressing about something that's coming in the future. So these mini pauses that I suggest when you fight, when you recognize those moments of tenseness or pressure of overdoing, just take a pause and do something to bring yourself back to the present. So that's meditation. Meditate in sitting. Um, people say, I can't meditate, my mind's racing, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's, that's a whole point. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a whole point, right? No, because it, it's 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 a real discipline. It's like you have said to your racing brain, I am going to sit here and this is about me. There's no one else here. You're not doing it for anyone else. No, you're doing it for yourself. And you're just becoming aware of the thoughts that you're that you're having and being really curious about them and, and being a witness. And the more you're able to do this, it's really weird. It's like um it sometimes feels like an out-of-body experience where a situation that's been triggering triggering you for the past week, all of a sudden one day you're like, well, I'm all right. <laughs> you know, you, you've taken a bit that long enough pause that it's no longer as triggering yeah. as it was. But that comes from that sense of self-discipline and actually slowing down enough. So the gratitude, again, it's bringing you back to present. What we often forget in times of stress is that we've overcome obstacles and stressful situations before mm -hmm. so sometimes that stressful situation is very real especially with procurement you might be running a late tender or something's got to be signed off today or tomorrow it's like you're having to work really late long hours you still got the kids to deal with or you know as a man um you still got the families men still have families to deal with when they come home just when you're when you're able to stop and just be grateful for what you have in that moment, whether it be grateful for my health, I'm grateful that I took a lunch break today. I'm grateful that I have a family to come home to. It could be any of that thing, just to ground you in that moment. And also to remind yourself, we've done hard things before. We've done hard things before. Similar to a, a form of meditation, similar to pausing and doing some mindfulness. They all kind of sync together. Those, those would be my top tips. No, no, I, I can totally relate. And, uh, you know, to your point, um, I, I met a fantastic uh, nurse when I was pregnant with my first child who gave me some tips to relax. Kind of, uh, um, I had a very painful pregnancy, not because it was a difficult one, but because the muscles were like, like that. Mm. And, and so she taught me how to relax your whole body and just said, the pain is worse because you're like so tight and stressed all the time. So I learned how to do that. And I'm using like over and over and over. And, and I think to your point, you know, uh, taking a time on, in your seat, just to close your eyes and try to relax, uh, go on a walk. You know, go out. I have a dog. I can walk my dog. That's a pretty good way to kind of relax. And not with your iPhone and your thingy, just just you and 
And all of this is really, really helpful, but every woman and person actually have to find their own ways. Uh, it can be meditation, it can be gratitude. Mm -hmm. All of those are very good things. I think gratitude has the interest of saying that every day you have a reason to be happy for something and grateful for something. And mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. also a very good point because, mm -hmm. oh, I feel like I'm doing nothing. And when you look at the pile of things that that person has Right, we feel we have it. Yeah, absolutely. So I could, every day I get my child to school on time, I'm, I'm celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> that's an achievement that is an achievement for us but also it's like the gratitude what we have to be careful of um is that we're not necessarily saying that oh be grateful because other people have it worse no so no it's, it's exactly, it, we're said, it's, yeah exactly as you said it's, it's really about being grateful for for you and who you are and what you have achieved to get here today no no absolutely and you're, and you're, and you're doing this role for a reason exactly exactly yeah. that yeah we need now to kind of wrap up and give one takeaway one thing that we want the person who are listeners to remember about that conversation i know it's a hard exercise <laughs> what would be that one thing uh, that you'd like them to remember <laughs> so this i'm trying to think of how how to wrap this up so it because when we talk about being that giver and supporting all the time and even very little space for you and, and you know other people's emotions I think curiosity so curiosity is definitely the one the, the reason for your for you feeling and the reason for you doing is it coming from the place of I'm doing this because I don't want them to think bad of me I think that's the thing am I doing it because I don't want them to I don't want to feel like I'm failing so it's really like where where is this action where is this some this um this thinking coming from it's that self-inquiry always remember self-inquiry I think that for me is the one yeah it's it's about knowing yourself and um you know and, and but also you know one step further you know where your actions come from and you know you also need to know your limits and at some point you need to say no I can't do that exactly yeah. I know you expect a lot from me, but right now, there's so much I can do, and my plate is full. And I think yeah. that we 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 didn't talk about that no during the, the this whole conversation. I think it is central to helping people to learn how to say no. Of course, not to say no like right away, but at some point, you need to be very clear on what you can do and not and that comes also with managers uh that are very clear on what's the work to be done and be honest on what are the real deadlines and what are the real expectations and not like over over expecting and then and then putting them like that are really really uh super strict just because they want a week before to think about it or think. no if the manager gives clear expectations with clear deadlines that are manageable and then the person says clearly yes i can do it oh no this is not doable i need an extra an, an extra day or two to do it then we're i'm sure that will be in much better position right yeah that, and that is it absolutely that's that self-inquiry i'm doing it because i have to should do or because i want to but then it's also exactly what you said is it is what's the end game here is it a popularity contest 
<laughs> if it's a popularity contest you are always going to lose and then that's yeah. where the burnout's going to happen or is it actually about the work and what we've got in place and what's actually for benefit to the organization and the team and so yeah that's self-inquiry definitely wonderful thank you monica that was very thank you helen for your time <laughs> and that brings us to the end of today's episode of our special series, Women in Procurement, on the Procurement Game Changes podcast. I want to express my deepest gratitude to our amazing guest, Monica, for sharing her expertise and shedding light on the important topic of burnout among women in procurement. It was truly an enlightening and engaging discussion. Before we conclude, if you're in need of support or have any questions regarding burnout, don't hesitate to reach out to Monica or me, we're here to provide assistance and guidance if needed. If you found this episode valuable and enjoyed the conversation, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to our channel, and of course, share this podcast with your colleagues and peers. Together, we can spread knowledge, ignite change, and create a better future for procurement. So thank you for tuning in, stay safe, keep sourcing, and until next time, au revoir. And that's a wrap for this episode of our Procurement Game Changers series. But we'll soon be back with yet another exciting session with one of the movers and shakers from the procurement space. Meanwhile, remember to visit our website at consultingquest.com for more consulting updates and procurement know-how and join us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Until then, goodbye from the entire Consulting Quest family. Have a great day.